Welcome to the Woke Buffalo Podcast with your host, Matt Meyer. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Woke Buffalo Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Meyer. Thanks for tuning in today. Uh, it's been a little while since the last podcast, I think about a month, and uh, things have been hectic, things have been busy. I'm opening up a brand new therapy center, so that's taking up a lot of my time, and like uh, the most, like the, the rest of you, dealing with the, the craziness of, you know, the pandemic and homeschooling, the family, and trying to keep things as normal as possible. However, we're here, and uh, I'm really happy to still be interviewing the guest. I'm chilling out. I'm actually recording this in my sauna, trying to get my 20-minute sauna session in, multitasking as a good human should. I have a really great podcast for you guys today with uh, one of the owners, founders of Buffalo Cryo, Jake Fay. Uh, Jake's been a buddy of mine for probably six or seven years. Uh, he is a physical therapist, strength coach, uh, and really an entrepreneur. Jake has uh, designed uh, some different pieces of therapeutic equipment that I utilized, and of course him and his partner Pat. Uh, own Buffalo Cryo, which was really one of the first cryo centers that opened up in the area. And I think probably uh, they really have stood the test of time. They've been open for about five years. They really take a a really good science, evidence-based approach to cryogenic therapy. They're both very educated, very knowledgeable in the fields of, you know, health and wellness, and really trying to make that footprint, helping people out and showing them the benefits of not only cryotherapy, just but just really health in general, you know, talking about exercise and physical therapy and things that can help people uh, with, you know, whether it be acute injuries, chronic stuff. They work with tons of recreational athletes and professional athletes as well. So I'm really excited to dive a little bit into Jake's history of how he got into the field he's in now um, and where... Uh, Jake and Pat are going to take Buffalo Cryo to go in the future. So before we get to that, speaking of Buffalo Cryo, uh, those guys have been uh, really welcoming to the podcast and offered a really nice discount for all the listeners of the podcast. So when you go to Buffalo Cryo and schedule an appointment, if you use the WOKE15 coupon code, you get 15% off of your cryotherapy sessions. Also as well, they're adding that to gift cards. So if you're thinking about maybe purchasing a gift card for a friend or family member, which um, you guys, I've spoken so highly of cryotherapy and its benefit for me. What an awesome gift, giving the gift of health to you know a friend or family member. So again, check out uh, Buffalo Cryo. They're on Instagram. They're on Facebook. They have a website. I will link to it on the show notes and use that Woke 15 discount. And uh, last but not least, uh, my West Coast people out in uh, California, Kettlebells and Cannabis, they are a lifestyle brand company that are really trying to push the idea of um, health, wellness through kettlebells and through, of course, one of my favorite plants, uh, cannabis. So they have a really cool business. They have some really nice swag. Um, I've been uh, seen wearing some of their gear, coffee cups, Christmas gifts. They also have a really great discount code for all the listeners, Woke15. You can check out Kettlebells and Cannabis on Instagram. 
Uh, like I said, I'll link to them in the notes. Throw that code in and you get a nice little discount. Makes an awesome gift for uh, either yourself or a person that you're, uh, you know, that's kind of living in that same same vibe. So um, I hope you guys enjoy this uh, awesome podcast with Jake Fay. Um, stay in the light, people. Stay positive and uh, stay woke. Thanks for joining. All right, brother. Glad to be here today. I'm with uh, my buddy Jake Fay at Buffalo Cryo. Great to have you here, man. How's it going? Good, man. Thanks so, for having me on. Yeah, man. We're rolling in the office, so if you hear if there's a phone ringing or something like that, that's good. That's business coming in, right? For sure. So Definitely. I'm I'm super psyched. Um, we've been friends for quite a while. Get into that a little bit later, but let's start first before we even talk about the business. Kind of tell me about your history and getting into the field of, you know, health, wellness, sports medicine, unpack that from, you know, when you were a wee child. I know you're a veteran too, so add it all in, man. Um, healthcare, how did I actually get into healthcare? Yeah, what drove you? So, when I was getting out of the military, I guess maybe let me back up. Back it up. For a little bit more. Um, Probably, it all starts with the various injuries along the way. Oh, yeah. Um, so, I guess my first I guess major injury would have been in high school. I fractured my kneecap and was down and out. Missed, uh, missed uh, the remainder of a soccer season. Missed part of a hockey season. And... It healed fine, but there was no direction as far as, you know, how do you go from injured, healed, back to sport? Because I knew I was going to get out of shape. So my thought at that point was as soon as the, the ortho cleared me to do something, anything, but wouldn't allow me to play hockey, I was like, well, can I swim? I'm like, because I knew cardiovascularly sure, sure. I was getting out of shape. And so... He was like, sure, you can swim. So I went to the varsity coach for the swim team, and it's was like, hey, you know, coach, do you mind if I swim with the team during practice? I'm going to stay in shape for hockey. You know, cardiovascular yeah. anyway. Yep. And yep. I knew swimming was low impact on the legs. So that was, I guess, nobody's ever asked me the question like this before. I guess that was my first hand at rehabbing yeah. anything was wow. that. So... It's usually, man, that's, that's how it happens a lot. Yeah. Actually, when I was, my interview with Dan Dominguez, yeah. he had a really bad football injury. Okay. And he ended up getting acupuncture for his injury. Yeah. From his uncle. And that's, like, how it started. I think so many people along the way, like, it's, it's their own, you know, need yeah. to heal. Right. That kind of sparks. Yeah. Well, funny, so you say football injury for him. So this was uh, me and my best friend were playing backyard basketball so I actually went up to for the rebound and the timing of our jumps was off so when I came down my legs were taken out from underneath me and I hit my knee first on the ground and that's what broke it Yikes. Um, so you know I, I've since forgiven him <laughs> maybe it was it, it was one of those it was like look man that was you know it, it was easy to forgive him that yeah, because yeah. it wasn't, it was just, yeah, your jump ball. So that was, it was never an issue. But, 
you know, than the, the rehab after that or lack of rehab, you know. It, it's, you know, when I finally was cleared to go back to the ice, ooh, I might have been in cardiovascular shape, but my legs were not. So did so, you did you go to physical therapy? Nope. For no, just nothing. No, that was, I didn't, I didn't even know at that time there was such a thing as physical therapy. Yeah, there yeah. No idea, no clue. So I, yeah, I swam to stay in some kind of shape. And yep. then when I was cleared, I went back to the ice and got back in hockey shape, you know. Nice. I did my preseason in December instead of October. <laughs> so when you were, did you have any, like, did you have any thoughts about what you wanted to, what did you want to do when you grew up, man? <laughs> so I, I, I guess I come from a more of a technical engineering family in a way. Yeah, yeah. As far as you know, what I was, what was modeled in front of me. So I had an older brother that was a mechanical engineer. I had a cousin that's an electrical engineer, another cousin's mechanical engineer. Oh yeah, you got that brain, that side of the brain rolling yeah, hard so, in your genetics. Yeah. So I went in the military and I went for nuclear power and started out on subs, ended up on aircraft carriers, you know, was doing nuclear, you know, running, helping run nuclear reactors. Oh. from the mechanical side of things and then you know got into liquid oxygen liquid nitrogen production later on in the navy and so there was always you know as you expect very math science engineering heavy but it was always my intent when i got done with the military with my enlistment to go to college to be a mechanical engineer oh so you went to did you go in the military right after high school i yeah i graduated in 95 that spring of 95 and then October of 95 I was in boot camp wow so that was uh, 25 years ago yeah so it's a wow I feel old now saying I did something 25 <laughs> years ago it's, <laughs> it's crazy for some people that's a lifetime well when, when you were in boot camp and you were like running and stuff like that in 95 I was in fucking Ybor City in Tampa partying my balls off so I'm actually like, oh man, you were you were doing something pretty productive at that point. Well, it's funny <laughs> you say Ebor City. Um, so I went into boot camp '95. In '96, I was in Orlando. Oh yeah, I was there for um, about a year. Wow. You know, so yeah, it was an interesting time. I made I so '96. There was a couple of times I was in Tampa. Yeah. So it's funny that we were yeah we were in, in the that, same place at the same time. We were in that we were in that same zone. Yeah. So you get through the Navy. So tell me about like what were you thinking about when you got done with you know with your uh, service there. So while I was in the Navy, my last two years in the Navy, I was stationed out in Washington State, uh, Bremerton, Washington, which is near Seattle. So that's where I met my wife, um, and she was finishing up her junior uh, junior college degree, and was transferring to Cal State Fullerton, and we hit it off from day one. Yeah, and she might, you know, in retrospect, I, I remember her saying then she was like, "We're not dating." don't tell any of my friends that you're in the military. You're just a contractor <laughs> visiting town. Wow. So there was, you know, there was a little bit of, oh, you're in the military? Yeah, yeah. You're a military guy? Yeah. Or you're a townie? And uh, at that time, she was a little more of a townie. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I, I think that was forged because of, you know, 
maybe some past relationships or and some other relationships of friends that had gone sour. Sure. And so there was a little bit of that. And, you know, there's more than a few bad apples in the military that yeah, get, of course. had that stigma. So, um, but yeah, we, we hit it off, you know, and, you know, we're, uh, you know, that was 2001, so 19 years later. Um, so... At that time, when I met her, I was still thinking I was going to go to school for mechanical engineering. I knew I was coming back most likely to New York State, although I was contemplating actually the California school system for universities and was actually thinking about possibly Berkeley to do mechanical engineering. Yeah. Um, and that was just because I ran into, from one of our port calls... In San Francisco, I ran into some people that were like, "Oh yeah, we're doing engineering up here." I'm At like, Berkeley, man, they're all that's all hippies there. There's, yeah, there's they have engineering there. <laughs> I, you know, or maybe one of the schools yeah, yeah. in that area. But I was like, "Oh, because you know, you know, Stella was going to Cal State Fullerton." I'm like, "All right, well, I'm getting my first job was going to be in California because I'd looked at three or four different places." Um, Two of the places were as a mechanical operator for nuclear power. One of the places was for gas production. And so um, the one for gas production was, in, in, we'll say, in the neighborhood in where Stella was going to school. You know, and I, that's really. Los Angeles County Orange yeah, County yeah. it's really not in the neighborhood it's a lot of driving yeah, for sure, come to for sure. Um, so I took that job there and you know we ultimately moved in together and lived together down there and so on a late night shift I know I went the long way around the block on getting to this but yeah, yeah. I had more experiences with injuries and was taken care of by athletic trainers mm. up to this point and I was now aware of physical therapy, athletic training, the rehab realm of things where I wasn't prior to the military. And now that I was out of the military and I was working a labor position in a chemical plant, I had some you know graveyard shifts to do yeah. work and sure. be by myself and think and have some introspection. And it occurred to me that I'm like, I like working with people. Yeah. I don't want to be stuck behind a desk. I'm not a fan of paperwork. Um, and through conversations with my brother and my cousins and what engineering really meant, yeah. you're, the likelihood you're going to have an R&D job crashing cars yeah, is exactly. really, really small. And I was like, oh, well, all right, maybe I don't want to be an engineer working on a computer and making designs all day. And I was like, well, let me look into physical therapy. And that occurred to me somewhere on the midnight shift. And I went to a clinic in the neighborhood of where our apartment was. And yeah. I was like, hey, can I shadow and volunteer? I'm looking to go into school for this, but I, I, I want to better understand what you're doing yeah. if it's a good fit for me. Yep. I volunteered once a week. And I must have done it for six months. I didn't need that many hours, but I enjoyed it so much yeah. that I kept going back nice. and just to nice. learn more. And I, you know, I knew how to basically work out from you know what I learned in the military. 
military, and I was learning more. So I was able to work with people and encourage people, and it just kind of grew. And then, you know, I applied to University of Buffalo, Clarkson, and Ithaca. And so ultimately, you know, picked University of Buffalo because I was like, oh, Buffalo, it's a big city. Bigger than Ithaca and Potsdam, I guess, right? So I was like, it's going to be easy to get jobs there. So, um, you know, that was, you know, that's kind of how I made my decision to go physical therapy. I mean, right off the bat, I know tons of amazing therapists. And there's therapists that are like, they are clinical, they love it, they thrive on that. Mm -hmm. You have that entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah, that's one way to put it. You know, (laughs) you have that entrepreneurial spirit. And it's like, so did the... Did getting into a field where it was be, it it was very rigid in that way, did that was that scary to you, or did you already kind of think like, oh man, I know what I want to do, and it's going to be a little bit different than the the normal track? I kind of always had a, I guess I always kind of knew that I like doing things my way. Um, that certainly. I guess I don't really follow, you know, more traditional sure. models sure. or things. I don't know if it's that I want to be more of a free spirit and not held down by the man, the man or, the woman. or, you know, what's exactly expected of a traditional physical therapist or a traditional whatever. Um, so I think, yeah, that's where that entrepreneurial spirit, as you so um, eloquently say. Um, I don't know. I, I, I was once told that I don't like to work for other people. Yeah. Um, so okay. maybe more of that and less of the other. I don't know. I think but, they're you. I think they're plugged in the same. You know. Yeah, to the same side. You know, two sides of the same coin. Um, but yeah, I think you know. I kind of. I guess I. I like doing it my way, but you know that said, I've, I've done clinical work, you know, traditional clinical work. I've worked in the hospitals on the floors, ICU, cardiac, um, done some a little bit of neuro, done the ortho, yep. floors, um, done outpatient. So I, I do have that experience. I'm not. Uh, I can't say that I'm a huge fan of that model. Yeah, that's not your. That's um, not and your it, it's really passion. It's. I'm not a fan of the business model. Yeah. It's not... Everybody I've worked with, they're all great people. They all need some type of help. Some of them probably needed more psychological help than they needed the yeah. physical help. Sure, but, sure. But, you know, the... what the but, but Going back to I didn't like the business model, and I think that every physical therapist in the world is going to be like, yeah, we don't like it either. You know, some people do better in it, you know, yep. and you have to see multiple people in an hour. Yeah. I'm not the best multitasker, but, you know, also multitasking is, you're still dividing your attention. So, yeah, no matter if you're good at it or not, everybody's still not getting your best. They're just getting the best of what you can offer at the time. And so, I think this model for me to interact and give my best foot forward to someone who needs my attention or needs my help on their journey for what I can offer them at that time 
one-on-one is a better way to go. I'm, I'm better at that. Do you think, do you think the, the PT model's broken? I, I don't know if the PT model, per se, is broken. In itself, well, but it's not. It's not the PT model. The healthcare. It's, it's really the healthcare model. It's it's the healthcare model, and God, there's so many facets to that. It's choosing my words wisely because I'm trying to figure out which rabbit hole to jump down first because <laughs> you can't go in all of them at the same time. Um, at least not that I'm aware of under current conditions. Exactly. <laughs> well, you know, I have a lot, I have, that's one question. A lot of the healthcare, traditional quote unquote healthcare people I have on here, um, that's something I would ask them. It's like, you know, is the current model broke? Is the, you know, insurance model broken when you look at yeah when you look at where the money comes from to pay for things when you look at it strictly as a business model only and you're comparing how do we create revenue and quality of care they're, they're inversely related sure you, sure if you're trying to buy, drive volume to pay yourself whether it's a a, phys- a single physical therapist running their own practice, a chain physical therapist own practice, yep. or a physician own. If you want to make more money, you need volume. Yeah, that's it's about a that's just bottom line math. That has nothing to do with what kind of person you are. But if you want to give the best that you can do, one person at a time, in charge a fair market price and you want to be a millionaire physical therapy is not the way to do it yeah you're in the wrong business yeah um and yeah it's you gotta have volume to make gobs of money but if you're gonna make gobs of money the quality of the care goes down and then there's a bit of a challenge there so i mean you could charge more and you'll limit yourself on clientele and the insurance companies won't reimburse that. But if you're using insurance to reimburse, you're also not doing one-on-one. For sure. Well, you're not doing one-on-one well. Your spouse makes a lot of money and then entertains your hobby. There's finger quotes in there for everybody who couldn't see that. Exactly, Um, exactly. Well, you know, I always can tell, I think maybe, maybe about, we met, Maybe seven or eight years ago. And I don't remember if it was at a kettlebell seminar or what. It was Steve Maxwell kettlebell. The first go around was um, CrossFit Nickel City. The second one was at CrossFit Williamsville. And, you know, any time that I host some of these workshops, it's always I love seeing the crowd and having – you know, physical therapists, chiropractors, anytime anybody that's that's in those fields shows up at some of these workshops, right there, it's like the the flag pops in my head. It's like, okay, this person is like wants to learn outside the box. And that's hard to come by. It really right. is, especially in the field. 
you know, I think it's changing, yeah. but you know, it's changing really slowly. And I love seeing, you know, chiropractors and physical therapists and acupuncturists mm -hmm. and all these people that are starting to learn some of the yeah. th same things. You know, Craig Liebenson said in one of his workshops, he's like, if there's a hundred people, hundred therapists and doctors in the office, you should not be able to delineate the difference because the way they the way they treat and their goal should be the same. Mm -hmm. um, so that was you know that was kind of what stoked our friendship relationship because I was like, all right, this is a guy that's you know clinically trained physical mm -hmm. therapy, but wanted to learn more. Right. And then I learned that you had your company Fibroblast. Yeah. So uh, yeah. tell me a little bit about tell me a little about that and how that was born. Um. So Fibroblaster is my affectionate monkey on my back still. Um, that was, that started when I was still in PT school. I formed that business. I had been exposed to uh, soft tissue tools for a couple years now. I had, so let me, a quick um, tangent. So right, I did my bachelor's and my master's in exercise science at U. Be. When I was in my master's program, I learned about Guasha and about Graston techniques. So about two years before, I was re-exposed to soft tissue work as a physical therapy student. And so I knew about the major players at that time. So Graston technique, yeah. um, A-STEM, Sastum, which was yeah, it was David Graston's yeah. actual offshoot. The sound assistant. Because apparently he lost his shirt. Yeah, yeah. In the other company, but um, there were there were two uh, two or three other ones there, and some small ones. At the time, though, when I was in, in physical therapy school, there was only maybe seven companies that I could find that were making tools. That were that were that were online, and they were so outrageously priced. Right, too. some of them, yeah, were pretty expensive. So. I was exposed to tools through one of my instructors, adjunct instructors, and I guess long story short, um, I ended up making a tool and starting the company, and that very first go around, I guess my trial run, 30 or 40 of my classmates paid in advance to help kind of crowdfund wow. Fibroblaster. There's your entrepreneurial spirit, buddy. Right, in its infancy. So that, I, I, I had very little experience at that point with anything business related at that point because I was from the military right into college. And I was, I was enlisted. I was on the lower end of the, the, end of the ranks listed so some of that stuff that might lend well to running a business sure I didn't have you that. didn't have that yet right yeah. so I really was you know jumping into unknown waters at that point so I I figured out the production side of things I figured out the cost side of things so from a project manager standpoint I figured all that out presented it to my classmates and said you know this is what I think it's gonna cost up 10% just to allow for that. If I get yeah. any extra, you know, I'll give it back to you because I, I did everything through the school and because it was a SUNY system, you can't make money on anything you do within SUNY. Yeah, of course. Right? Of course. So, um, 
you know, I figured out as close to it as possible as I could, and I made the tools for everybody in my, you know, everybody in my class that bought it. And then the next year, I was asked to do it again by, you know, some um, maybe a couple of people that were I was in class still and the class behind us, so I did it again. This time, I was like, well, I went through all this work. Yeah. It's gonna be a little easier this time. Yep. I probably should get paid something, so I did everything off campus. And you know, I, I charged the, essentially the same price, maybe ten bucks more. Maybe. Sure, and, sure. You know, I bought some beer with it. Yeah, is yeah. what it came down to. But I started the company as an LLC that following year, and that's when it started. And you know, it grew um, from there, and you know, it made me infamous, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I. Early, like I said, I was able, you'd put some of those tools in my hand early on. And I was, you know, a tool is a tool, but you put so much, you had so much thought into them and you're constantly like reworking them. Mm-hmm. You'd be like, you know, you text me like, hey, check out this tool, check out this tool. And yeah. I just, I really, I love that, that kind of that vision that you had mm-hmm. of like constantly working and reworking mm-hmm. um, all in that realm and very reasonable like in a in a space where you could get a reasonably priced tool and the whole ASTEM thing was just taking off you know yeah. everybody was was yeah. doing this washa work um, and it was great man it was more and more people had around it and and, and whatnot and uh, you were constantly reworking you had an education piece to it mm-hmm. connected as well there is yeah there is the education component to it that's not mine that is another clinician on the West Coast who designed that. And we, I guess a symbiosis between, yeah. you know, symbiotic relationship there, um, where, you know, he teaches how to use the tools and, you know, I'm able to sell the tools either to him or, you know, to course members at that point. Yeah, so, I mean, that to me, like, and that's where a lot of the companies now they're doing, you know, it's not just the tool, it's like, yeah. how can we educate? Right. And I think that's no matter what it is, whether it's a, you know, a, a Swiss ball mm-hmm. or a Theragun or a Hypervolt, yeah. I think having that piece is just so nice from a business standpoint, but just from a clinician yeah. standpoint. It's, a, well, yeah, you gotta, even, even a screwdriver, right? Somebody's gotta teach you how to use it the first time. Yeah. You know, and then, once you learn how to use it, you figure out a few extra uses for it too. So same thing, you know, for soft tissue tools. You know, that it's you can fast track the experience, get people learning how to use it more responsibly, help the people that they want to help without hurting them. You know, and then you go from there. So we had the fibroblaster. You know, you got school. I know you did a stint with uh, the strength conditioning team, the Bills. Yeah. So tell me about, I mean, what you're really known for, man, is is where we're sitting now. Right. And this is, so tell me about how, you know, Buffalo Cryo was born and, and, and where it's at today. So I had, I, w- I was not in clinical physical therapy, was doing niche personal training, and I met my business partner, Patrick Connors. And he, through side conversations, you know, when we would have downtime, he brought up cryotherapy. I didn't know what it was at the time. How long ago was this? Ooh, 
Uh, so probably 2014, maybe. Yeah. If I if I had to put a year to it, so it's a couple years ago at this yeah, point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Buffalo Cry was about four and a half years old. It took us, I don't know, maybe a year to write the business plan. So yeah, I, it sounds about right. Um, he brought it up to me. I did not know anything about that. So that night I went home, looked it up after he had explained stuff to me. And you know, the first place I looked up was, I went PubMed. I was like, what research is there right yep. now to back this up? And I was like, wow, there was more research there than I expected. Not a ton. But more than you expected. More than I expected. I wasn't sure if there was going to even be anything there. Yeah. You know? Um, so once I understood more of what was going on, I was like, wow, this is really, you know, this could be a great business on, you know, opportunity. And so Pat and I talked further. I'm like, you know what? Let's make a go of this. And so really... You know, the, the original idea of cryotherapy it doesn't happen without Pat. That, you know, he's integral to it. And you guys have such a, you guys have such like a good partnership. You know, when, when it first came on the scene, it was, uh, it kind of exploded. And I'll, I'll tell you one thing that set you guys apart from some of the others is that there, like everything else, there was a lot of bullshit that was being spewed about what it does. And uh, I commend you guys, because you guys really, you admitted what you didn't know, mm -hmm. but you also did the science. And right. a lot of places were just leveraging it as being kind of this cool, you know, Kardashian uh, <laughs> thing that you can do. And uh, the, the science, even if how much there was or how much there wasn't, you were always true to the science. Right. We definitely do our best to stay within the bounds of what we know. That, that said, we do have some ideas as to, all right, we don't have the actual research being done that backs this up, but you know, we do, we do see that we, we can help some people, that the science that the research doesn't show that it helps. But Definitely that anecdotal, said, yeah. it does, yeah, it's anecdotal. But that said, the research also doesn't show that it doesn't work, right? Sure, so sure. There's, I think sometimes people forget that. It's, you know, there's evidence-based, there's evidence-led, there's evidence-informed. So I think some of the people that we do help, it's because we understand some of physiology, not everything. We don't know it all. We're trying to, but it's just not possible. But we we have some ideas, and we're willing to try and work with people to see if this helps. You know, we'll, you know, we'll tell them. We're like, we're not sure if it's going to work or not, but we're you know we're happy to explore this with you. And we'll say, all right, you're coming in with this problem. We expect to see some type of difference in these particular metrics, you know. So I want, you know, we'll say pay attention to how do you sleep? How's your endurance for that day? What is your, you know, pain level? I mean, some things I get are subjective, but, you know, as with any business, is the customer happy with the outcome? 
I get there's the insurance model of it's got to be objective. Well, yep. Yeah, all right, great. That's nice. We don't deal with insurance, so that you know, insurance doesn't deal with us. Is our customer happy? Can our customer do more of what they want to do? Can we help them achieve that? And that's what we, you know, that I think is what helps us be successful is that we want to see our customers live their best life and this is how we can help them do that. Has the, has, has it changed, you know, when it came out first it was very athletic based and, you know, athletes have been using cryotherapy, um, endorsing it, using it, has, um, has that changed? Like, what are you seeing as far as like different people that are using and benefiting cryotherapy? Other than, you know, the athlete. The, the athlete. Um, we, we're definitely seeing more general population with orthopedic issues, whether, you know, it's more kind of chronic in nature, like an arthritis, or a more acute, you know, sprained ankle. We're, we're, we're seeing that more so. Uh, low back pain is a good example as well. Nice. But we're also seeing some chronic disease that people are having relief from. Yeah, so, that's amazing. Is there, a, is there a story for, obviously, without using names or you know, sure. breaking privacy, either you or Pat maybe, that um, was kind of a big win that maybe you were like, whoa, you know, this is powerful stuff. Um, I, there was one a couple years ago, a woman from not the Buffalo area, a little more like Finger Lakes region, came in, had, had a back injury almost 30 years ago and required daily use of pain meds, you know, prescription pain meds, and it was her first treatment, I mean, this is such an outlier story, too, yeah, yeah, she did the treatment, um, she was tiny, I mean, like, 100 pounds soaking wet, so we had on the lowest setting, or warmest setting, I guess I should say, rather, sure, it's the warmest, yeah, times, we... We stopped it halfway through, got her back in, did the remainder of the treatment, got her back out. She changed up, took her time. We did a nice little bit of warm-up, talked with her the whole time. And during the warm-up, she, she looks at us and it's just in this library quiet voice says, I don't feel anything. So immediately, I, my red flags are going off in my head. I'm keeping a nice poker face, but yeah. in my head, I'm like, she doesn't feel anything. <laughs> You're like, uh-oh. This is not what I signed up for. Like, yeah, yeah. we good. have problems. And I'm like, say that again? Because I also, she said so quiet. Sure, I was sure. like, I, was, I knew I was missing something. Or I was hoping I was. Yeah. And so she said it a couple more times. And I, you know, I got a little more clarification. And finally, she looks at me in a normal voice. She was like, don't feel my pain. Ah, there it is. And I, I mean, and at this point, she's a normal voice. Her eyes start welling up. And wow, man. So my eyes start welling up. And so immediately I'm like, hey, get yourself together. 
I can't have you cry because that's going to make me cry. You know, no tears in the chamber. Yeah, I'm like, no, yeah, no <laughs> tears. I'm like, you know, you know, we got, you know, I use a little humor to kind of break that tension. And, you know, this is, you know, per her report, she was not feeling what she had come in with, what she had been experiencing for however long she had been experiencing it. Um, and those results lasted almost two days for her. That's huge. Clinically. And, yeah. I, was, I, I, you know, I, I was very skeptical at first of her answer that she didn't feel her pain. I didn't, I don't need anyone to tuck me in a bed at night. I will fall asleep. I will not cry myself to sleep at night. So I, w- I was a little skeptical of the answer. I was so, you know, I asked more questions and, you know, stayed in contact with her. And she came multiple times, you know, in a month. So she was coming in probably weekly at that point for a couple of months, you know. And then um, there was a, eventually another clinic, or I say clinic, another cryotherapy place opened in the Rochester area. Oh, beautiful. So there was something closer to that Finger Lakes region for her to be able to access. So in the meantime, you know, she was driving well over an hour and a half to two, maybe two hours to come see us. Yeah. And this was making a big difference where, you know, she wasn't getting other differences elsewhere. That said, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think... I think too, like, with all of this stuff, I mean, there's such a level, because it, mm. it really is non-invasive. I mean, yeah. obviously, there's there's a small risk with, mm. you know, cryotherapy, just like there would be with sauna or yeah. anything like that. I mean, with laser, there's yeah. always risk. But anytime when we can put that into people's hands mm-hmm. and give them those, and give them those tools, um, I think it's such a huge win. You know, and it has the business evolved as far as what you guys do and how you do it. I know that breath work right. and some of those factors have started to change the game a little bit. Has it evolved? So when we first opened our doors, we only did whole body cryotherapy. I was not doing any. That was it. One thing. Yep. One trip on. <laughs> um. Um, about a year, year and a half in, we were able to, I say expand, we were able to change our nitrogen storage, which gave us more space inside. So as soon as we had more space, we put a table in and I started offering some hands-on stuff to flush that out. And we got a localized machine so that we could do specific areas and a little more treat. and you'll be able to be a little portable with that right. and localized us, machine. yeah the localized machine was definitely portable it allowed us to go out and you know market more effectively that way um, and give out samples let people know a little more what we were doing how we were doing it what it would actually feel like to an extent um, so yeah it definitely it, it definitely helped us from a growth standpoint by having that localized machine to, you know, show people what we were doing. 
I feel too like some of this, some of the science is just brushing the surface, you know, yeah. which is um, frustrating, but also really, uh, it's exciting in a way because I think all of these therapies mm -hmm. have such a, they could, have, they could really help so many people in that way. And uh, having that ability to kind of like move through that space is pretty awesome. Where would you say, you know, in 10 years, where do you think the business, where would you like to see the business? And, you know, from a, from a personal asset, but just kind of that cryotherapy and the science, where do you think it's gonna go in 10 years? Um, I guess I'll interpret that question as the business of cryotherapy or the industry of cryotherapy. And yours a little bit too. Right. You know? um, I think the, the industry, I'll start there first, if I can keep a coherent thought process. Yeah. The, I think the industry is certainly going to grow. It's going to be more widespread use. I think eventually we're going to see that insurance companies will reimburse for it. Wow. Provided that the healthcare insurance sure. realm sure. still is standing in 10 years. Yeah. Um, I, I think that will continue to grow. It will become more mainstream and more used for a lot of different ailments. Nice. Um, not only not only ailments, but you know, we'll see more use from a performance enhancement standpoint too for multiple levels of the realm of sports, not just the pro athletes, but more the college, more the high school. Yeah, and even just the, the recreational people. Right, exactly. Well, especially the recreational people. I mean, the weekend warriors, they're, well, that's, without weekend warriors, I don't think um, standalone physical therapy would function. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, I think uh, if you have a body, you're an athlete. Yeah. That was the, you know, founder of Nike said that. and. Right. I, I try to plug that into people all the time. I said, look, just because, you know, you're not playing sports right. anymore, you know, you're a 50-year-old guy that loves to run or, mm -hmm. you know, a 60-year-old woman who loves to ski in this, like, you're an athlete. Yeah. So, like, don't think just because you're not a professional athlete, like, all of these things that they're using, mm -hmm. they're accessible to you. Yeah. You know, some of them are not low, low-hanging fruit. Right. But when you start to think about you know, the other money you spend on, mm -hmm. all these other factors, it's like when you can invest that in your own health, it's like mm -hmm. you're putting money into that 401k. Oh, for sure. And the benefit is pretty cool. Where, personally, you know, your guy's business, where would you like to see it go? Um, what would you like to be able to offer? You know, I think down the road, we'd like to be able to be physically a little bit bigger so that we could offer hot sauna get a little fire and ice going um, I think that would be one of the biggest ones uh, if we had more space or when we are able to yep. get more space um, we're you know we're looking into and understanding some other of the I guess uh, I'll say therapies whether you know it's norm attack yep. or red light therapy those are always in a back and forth discussion of trying to understand what they do, how we can further help our current customer client base, and you know potentially offer it to anyone new coming through the door. But we want to make sure that they all fit together well, sure, sure, um, and that they're easily 
one easy for us to explain to people. Yeah. And, you know, because you can't explain it. It's really hard for someone to buy into a system. Yeah, and you can't, what's the, this is like the elevator pitch, right? If you can't yeah. explain it on an elevator ride, it's too complex. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I know that's probably why you and I, you know, we've, uh, you know, we always have conversations and stuff because we kind of love all this. Man, I never really thought of myself as like a biohacker because I always go, right. what is this biohacker? But it is, it's so cool. I and mean, we talk all the time about how can we make humans better humans, yeah. starting with ourselves. Right. And, you know, again, more anecdotally, when I started coming in, I think this summer for kind of like regular treatments, mm-hmm. um, I was a huge proponent, but I never really did the work. And um, it does have not only some really good physical effects, but I'll tell you, man, there are some real amazing mental boosts oh, yeah. that you get from coming and doing this work. It's yeah. like, you know, I did a treatment right before this podcast, and I mean, I'm like jacked right now. I felt yeah. like I've had, you know, four espressos and some nicotine gum. I'm like ready to. I'm like ready to roll. So, the the proof is in the pudding. It's, yeah. uh It's pretty amazing. Yeah. It's it is really good. The effects that people can get from it. It is. I guess if there was one thing I could say, that not everyone gets that very profound, amplified focus effect. Um, my very first time going through I didn't get that I was able to handle it yeah you know they that we I tried it at the distributor in New York City and they were like all right you're looking to buy one you're gonna get yeah you only get one first time so they're like you're going for all three minutes you're going the coldest temperature we can make it buckle up and um you know I did and I got out and I was like all right that was cold but yeah yeah okay and it wasn't until later that day that I realized what it had done for me. Pat and I had driven from Buffalo to New York City, and we had left at 8 o'clock at night from Buffalo and drove to New York City. Wow. And so we, we got in, I don't know, somewhere around 2.33 in the morning, slept on couches at one of his friend's places, which we were, you know, hugely... You know, hugely thankful that we didn't have to get a hotel. Of course. Um, and then we had a bright and early, like, 8 a.m. appointment. So we were on minimal sleep, sitting in a car ride with one stop in Binghamton to get gas and go pee. Other than that, you were there. The car yeah. was brutal. Oh, for sure. Um, and then sleeping on couches to boot. So I know I was pretty, not workout sore, but I was sore. My back was tight from that type of driving, sleeping on the couch. Um, later that afternoon, evening, I realized that my back was not bothering me anymore. That I was just, I felt more like a regular day. I was generally loose, not tight. I didn't have the aches and pains associated with a six and a half, seven hour car ride. It kind of stopped me in my tracks. I'm like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, Where'd all that go, you know? And I was like, wow. I'm like, that's the difference it made for me. And so sometimes when people don't have good self-awareness of, you know, body feedback, 
they miss what's happening. Of course, of course. Now my second treatment, it jacked me up. I was like, oh yeah, you know, let's <laughs> yeah. wrestle the bear, you yeah. know, kind yeah. of levels of amped up. So um, it's, it's, I think it's really important for if somebody needs to see that mental change, you need to get a second treatment. So um, we, try to, we try to make that easy for people to do. Yeah, so that's that, awesome. We try to explain that to them, but we try to say, look, make sure you're looking at A, B, C, D, and F, you know. It's great, man. And like I said, I, I've always, you're, you got a great space here. It's, uh, you know, you got a great vibe in how you guys, uh, how you guys run this place. So I've been very, you know, fortunate and really happy to, to kind of be a part and see how you guys are growing and whatnot, mm-hmm. um, even during these, you know, challenging times. Um, maybe I'll have you and Pat both on again sometime. Sure. Maybe we'll delve a little deeper into like some of the some of the science and things like that, and you know some of that good stuff. Where can I find uh, you know your guys' business via the social media social uh, media heavens? Ah, uh, the, the the social media heavens experiment. Um, we are on Facebook. We are on Instagram. That's where we are the most. Cool. So it's at Buffalo Cryo on both of those. Nice. Otherwise, you know, we can access us through our website, www.buffalocryo.com, and our phone number, 716-436-5341. As I stretch the brain there. Yeah, man. Out. People actually still use the phone. It's crazy. I, I, <laughs> get, I get, you know, Google says we get... 200 plus calls a month yeah you know? so nice. you know or at least last time i looked at it so we had that many calls so. nice man well i'll link all that stuff into the notes um uh and i'll link the uh the the discount for people mm-hmm. that they can get in here and do it and uh it's great man thanks for coming on awesome. appreciate you thank you for having me on and giving us an opportunity to talk about buffalo crime awesome man thank you thank you Thanks for tuning in to that episode with my brother Jake Fay talking all things cryogenic therapy. Uh, remember the uh, very kind uh, offer that Jake and Pat from Buffalo Cryer are offering all the listeners. A discount called Woke15 will get you cryogenic therapy discount as well as gift cards uh, through the holiday season. So like I said in the intro, give that gift to health. Uh, you won't regret it. It's such a great experience. If you enjoyed this podcast, if you enjoyed any of my past ones, please, one of the best ways to support this podcast is not only supporting the businesses that I mentioned, like uh, Buffalo Cryo, like uh, Kettlebells and Cannabis out on the West Coast, but also leaving me a five-star review, uh, comments on maybe how this podcast has helped you, share it with your friends. Uh, that's one of the best ways to get the message out there. You know, I've said it before, the goal of the Woke Buffalo podcast is really just to promote health, wellness, uh, all things to make humans better humans, especially during this time. uh, People's health, their mental health, their emotional state is so, so important. Um, And it's really an honor for me to be able to bring you some of these guests from all landscapes of, you know, the West New York area and beyond. So again, thank you everybody for tuning in. Uh, I will post lots of information in the show notes and I'll keep everyone updated as well on my new uh, office space that'll be hopefully opening in the next week or so. 
and talking about uh, what I'm going to be doing over there. Everybody have a wonderful weekend. Stay in the light. Get some fresh air. Smile. Be thankful.